I'm Dan Broskell. And I'm Dave Geller. And we are the co-hosts of What Do We Know? What Do We Know is a free-range podcast dealing with wellness, education, sports, personal stories, and more from two guys who know a lot about certain things, but not a lot about others. Your hosts are Dan Broskell, a longtime educator, compulsive runner, and father of five. And Dave Geller, a pediatrician with three kids and an amazing Maine accent. Good evening, everybody. It's Saturday, September 26, 2020. I'm Dan Broskell here with Dave Geller. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great as the sun sets on my front lawn. We are joined here today by our very good friend of both of ours, David Landis, who makes a return to our podcast. And actually, the last time I think that we did the the Six Feet Apart microphone podcast was with David Landis. So, David, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. I think this is a quarterly appearance for you. A quarterly? Quarterly. Okay, not or in, in the court. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll get you in more often if you have us. <laughs> I mean, the last, I, I will say the, the highest praise I've gotten from a podcast this year was when uh, Dave Landis' daughter texted me like two months after the pod and said, just want you to know I'm driving north and I'm listening to the podcast with, you know, the other daughter and it's so great. You guys sound so smart. And I was like, you know what? Thanks so much for the compliment. <laughs> Because if it's coming from, from Millie Landis, that's, yeah. that's serious praise. So thanks very much for that, Millie. If you're listening now, thank you for that. It was very personal and meaningful for me. That was probably one of our most substantial podcasts. We went know. deep. We got yeah. deep. Yeah. I had to step out for a moment and, and, <laughs> and, uh, and gather myself. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to start shallow. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll go deep. I do want to wish both of you a uh, Shana Tova. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. And thank to you. Shana Tova. How about that? So Rosh Hashanah has come and gone. Yom Kippur is around the corner. How, how are you feeling about that uh, 10 days of awe introspective process, Dave Geller? It's been a it's been a great um, intermediate days, I guess, between the two high holy days. I have to say, it's one of my favorite. There were many. We've had many great um, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanot, and uh, and holy holy days That's together. Rosh Hashanah, and yeah. um, and I get to, we actually were we spent the day the days at the Landis's um, outside under a tent mm. with a couple other families, some you know masks on when needed, and we streamed the services from Temple Amuna where we both belong, and it was really an amazing, amazing, yeah. wonderful experience. Thank you for David Landis providing us not only with a tent and the wide screens and the good stereo sound and the fine food afterward. So a great time. Thank you. It was nice. It was really nice to be outside. I grew up actually, the shul, I grew up, they did high, did high holidays in a tent um, every day. They didn't have a big space. And so that felt kind of nice to get back to that. That was before the tzedakah box, the um, charity box, got passed around in your shul, right? And they, and they built the big one. That's right. <laughs> built the big one. Put some walls on that tent. <laughs> no, so, yeah, so being, being in, in temple um, is always great, right? You know, just yeah. the communal aspect, the social aspect, you know, great, you know, just great being there. And um, we have, we've been dubbed because we, we sit together, David, his family, my family, uh, Brian Cutler, his family. Uh, the Sherman. Sherman. I don't know if Barazzi's ever joined us in the back row, but we've been dubbed the back row boys. And Landis on his um, on his computer, you know, named us the back back row families. Yep. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, for Zoom. The Zoom title. For yeah, that Zoom title. The, yeah, whoever, whoever notices that. Yeah. And the only thing that was missed, um, for good or for for better or for worse, was not having everybody walk by us in the back row and you know and. Uh, Shake our hands or tap us on the shoulders, wishing us a happy new year. So remember when people could shake hands? hands? Yeah, Yeah, we're not shaking hands for a while. It was a good time. It was a good time. How was your How was your high experience? Uh, Subdued. We had nice Zoom with my father, and even my sister joined us for that, which was exciting. Love your sister. Eve, and that's unusual. And you know, 
New Year, fall, fall colors. Luckily, it was on a weekend, so it didn't interfere with the regular schedule. And then uh, trying to make preparations for a solemn distance Yom Kippur, which is going to be different as always. It's going to be odd to to fast yeah. in your in a home, right? So like walking through the kitchen all day long. Yeah, especially your kitchen. Yeah. You, know, you guess you, the aromas so will waft. The rings right? <laughs> I think you have to. You know, some you, some people. You know, on, on on Passover, right? They separate all their you know their um, regular dishes and the foods and everything. You know, to for the holiday, you should saran wrap your your refrigerator or, or your, <laughs> your stove because all the the odors, the good odors wafting from that thing would be crazy. I mean, Landis's, not yours, Brazzies. I've been in, I, I I've I've been in your kitchen. <laughs> It's no, much, everything is right there for you, dude. There's no, no, Landis, there's no, the food. no Landis kitchen, but yeah, so it's, it's all good. It's been Actually, a good our last pod, we talked about the pastrami. We talked about it. Like, and I made our pastrami. Oh, tell you some. Share, yeah. I should have brought some pastrami for you. David Landis will share with you his his new smoking experience. Wait, you must be in the midst of your of your preparing your pastrami. No, it's done. I should have brought for you. I, I oh will get it gosh. to you. No, we have it for Rosh Hashanah lunch. Tell me what you smoked, man. That was that was. Edible. Of the, of the <laughs> <variety>. <laughs> oh no! So we did. Uh, I uh, did pastrami, and then one that uh, like I tried to do sort of like a Montreal smoked meat that yep. wasn't the spicy. So it was I put apple and honey on, and it was good. It was great. Oh, well, what about that that fruit? Oh, I made there's uh, oh, the brined. The uh, no, it was brined and smoked watermelon. There's this recipe. What is this devilry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's this movement. Like everyone's talking about fake meat. And I don't remember the name of the chef. Who made it, Dan or David Horowitz? Not surprisingly, okay, Horowitz. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. <laughs> no, but his name is Horowitz, and um, he made famous. Th- a lot of people are having like meat substitutes. He said, "Let's not have, don't have to all that processed stuff. Let's figure out how to smoke fruits and vegetables that will be a substitute." So he had this fancy rest, this recipe. They got some like interwebs fame of a uh, watermelon ham. So it's a watermelon that you take the rind off, you brine it in salt and actually wood ash and other spices for four days. What's it, left of like the flesh? No, it's so it stays. Well, stays in like the watermelon just gets big, desiccated and dry. No, it stays like, pretty firm and open like that, and then you you smoke it for a number of hours. And what does it taste like? It tastes like smoked watermelon. <laughs> what you described. <laughs> it's it it sounds so. We're gonna make. I'm gonna make it one more time. I have to admit it was a little <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, no, I will. But so it was. I was. Ex- it was particularly hard. Like if I, Dave knows that we don't eat meat a whole lot. What? No, I mean I. I ate it. And now that you described it, I'm, how you made it, I'm thinking, why did I why even did touch I eat it? That? Right. No, but like, so we eat meat so infrequently that to have it on the table with the one time I make this real pastrami that is a highlight. Like. A smoked watermelon is not going to hold a lot, but so trying it the next day, it was interesting and good. I'm going to try it again. Um, it was not, didn't taste like meat. It tastes like a savory something else. It looked it, when you look at it. It looked it, like it looked, it looked like the thickest piece of salmon you're ever going to have. Yeah. It looks so good. Did the color I mean, get a little like, like still no? It's bright. Like, it was this bright, bright pink. Yeah. And, and then when you bit into it, you're like, this could be salmon raw and then when you ate it like this is a watermelon that has this is smoky ash briny desiccation taste to it what's the strangest thing you've ever had with watermelon the strangest uh, yeah. thing yeah like what's the weirdest watermelon combination because i have an answer that you, if you're i i would say watermelon, watermelon. so i don't know if it's the strangest but the reason i was, was committed to doing this there was a place in newton upper falls yep. that closed a number of years the ago the no, no no and i wonder if 
I've actually haven't tracked to see if this Hurwitz was there, but they made a watermelon steak on their menu that they processed it and it, that had the texture of meat and was really quite remarkable. So that's, um, that was a high end restaurant. That wasn't like the, uh, yeah, that was in Paris. Yeah. I once put, um, watermelon, uh, and hummus together on a dare did not taste good. Yeah, no. How'd you do that? You do dollop. You were at, a, at the beach. That's nothing. In Israel sunset. I'll take drums, that there right and now. I was like done. I'll take that there. <laughs> like just dipping. <laughs> I'm like, all right. It was not very good. So just anyway. dipping the watermelon. Yeah, hummus? Like, like the oh, simple that, dip. That wouldn't. Is that like your, is that like your 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 boldest food dare ever? Because you're not an adventurous eater, right? I'm not, I, I would say I'm not an adventurous eater. I love that I term. That's a pediatric term. An event. What is an adventurous? Like if somebody comes in your office, David Landis, and says. My he's an, my son or my daughter. They're an adventurous eater. What, what does that mean? What, what to pops you? into your mind quickly? Like, what are they eating? Paint chips, they just uh, eat everything nails. the family eats. Yeah. Lead paint. <laughs> They'll eat. No, no, no. An adventurous eater is just someone who will try new things, like a kid, a kid who yeah. will eat sushi or will eat something spicy or will have Indian food. And sure. I think an adventurous eater is someone who's up for trying new, good-looking mm-hmm. stuff. No, What's right. the opposite? Have you heard about super tasters? Yeah. But that is not an opposite. That it is, what, 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 so I've heard that term. What is a super, what is a super taster? A super taster is someone who... Uh, Padma Lakshmi is apparently a super taster. Oh, okay. Celebrity. Yeah. yeah so it is someone who uh, is uh, very skilled at distinguishing different tastes. Oh. And I think that they actually... There's some things that they can taste that sort of the rest of us schlub tasters... Yeah, but how, that's, like, I, I'm, I'm going to just jump right in here. You do that. Like, <laughs> how? Like... Like, how do you know what they're tasting? Well, that's like, a very good question. Just, you know, oh, I'm tasting is it people in, in you. So no, David, it's like the, the like the wine tasters. Like, it tastes David like Lance. vanilla dipped in oak. With me, I, I don't get that. No, See, but I you, can't but you do get that. There. I mean, you. I get like, something that tastes we, well, but I, I can't describe oh my goodness, it that like way. David Landis. I just, I just, I, I could just give you the big brain dip of so many things about David Landis. And I could call you but David Landis because you're David Landis. You're, um, but like when you. <laughs> Like you drink wine, right? No, but you get it. You have that. Yeah, but I, I don't. Have, you enjoy your wine. You 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 get the aromas, right? You you get that, right? Bouquet, please. Yeah. yeah. So, but I don't have those descriptive abilities. I really but, don't. But so, and, yeah, so, and, so, and so, so, like, I know if it goes well with something, and I know if it tastes good, and I like it or not. But I don't. So go back to that, like someone, like say, like you know, calling you a bluff. I can taste this. I can taste that. Like, how do you even know what they're tasting? Uh, so I don't. Yeah. Like, not you. No, 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 no. But it's a really good question. I was just talking to someone else about it. I have a patient who. Um, it's a pretty rare event who can't who can't smell and it wasn't mm-hmm. until he was about nine or ten that the family realized this kid can't smell because like kids they take the duck that they're you know the hand that they're dealt and like oh this is the way it's supposed to be you're not supposed to taste this stuff and um but i think going back to adventurous eaters i think there's a theory that um there's some kids in who have are almost like super tasters who's uh you know, the, the, in all kinds of foods that we eat, whether it be like spinach or stuff, there's a lot of stuff that's a little unpleasant that we turn it over to make it a pleasant thing sure. that in some kids' mu- palates and minds, it is that it's, it's like a super taster where it tastes that much stronger. So you can't overcome well, it's almost it. like the, you know, the whole sensory thing, right? Where people sense things have may have, have a, you know, they're sensitive to tags or to certain fabrics and some of us on or are. Right. And then you have um, kids, you know, you know, there's like a spectrum, you know, you know, of, of behaviors, right? And there are people, and there are people who aren't, who aren't social or overly social, right? And then you have, so you have probably have people who sensitive, sensitive in a negative way to certain foods and just 
don't care, right? So it's probably your, 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 why, why would your tongue be any different? Wouldn't Not your tongue. Well, I was listening to a podcast recently about people that do um, their olfactory senses are fully developed because they're the professional smellers. Yeah. Mm. They've been called to like testify in court because they can identify odors other people can't. And Dave's a professional smeller. Right. So again, if you can imagine, like, she smells. Talk, that's why Landis smells, smells all day long. Is ten feet away. Put, no, puts no. on a tie and smells all day long. No, but what was that place where um, Holly Rothermel's dad worked? Right in um, Concord, and they it was a place where they would there was a there was like a uh, engin- I don't know. engineering place, and they they were, I, I don't know if it was her father, but there were people there who were professional smellers. They huh. employed them to smell yep. certain things. Yep. So I mean, imagine. So I was the, they were contrasting like I mean, I'm in Concord, but dogs. Anyways. No. They smell everything because they're yeah. just lower to the ground. And, and as bipods or bipeds, like we don't, our smell has just gone away over generations. Right. But you can train your nose to be able to be like a professional perfume sniffer, identify like here's the lotus flower and here's the drop of saffron they may have thrown in there. Otherwise, we're like, oh, it just smells like perfume. Yeah. But you can you can actually develop a more discerning olfactory sense over time if you work at it. So it tastes <laughs> like chicken or it tastes like smoked watermelon. It's the same thing. It's exactly smoked the same watermelon. thing. Yeah. So what's your most adventurous? So you, wait, so Dan, what's your most adventurous? Give me besides the watermelon dipped in hummus. Oh, doesn't I'm not, count. I'm not an adventurous eater. No, no, not at all. No, okay. But I, did, I did buy something the other night that I, I looked at interestingly. So you know, as you know, I do my shopping. I do shopping now for my dad and his girlfriend because they don't want to go to the store. And they gave me a list every Wednesday night of what to buy them on Thursday at Whole Foods. And my dad's girlfriend was like, "I want a, a whole." A whole smoked white fish. Nice. Mm. I'm like, I know what that looks like. So I, I walk in, I'm present, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's like a yeah. 20 inch long fish. You've never seen one of those before? Wrapped. I'm like, I guess this is what. So I walked out, and the checkout person kind of looked at me funny. I'm like, it's not for me. Don't judge me. I'm not having the whole smoked white fish. I will. Has not been my, I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting shocked looks here from my friends. Uh, this is not my usual uh, tasting experience. The, the, the shock is that you've never seen a whole Landis smoked whitefish before. Is wiping the drool off I've his chin. I've seen it, but I've never like, actually looked at the list, gone and got it, and be like, oh, yeah, I'm buying this for 20 bucks, right? You've had smoked whitefish, but just not the whole fish. Well, I probably haven't. And the eyeball. I probably haven't. Really? Do you like whitefish? Like sablefish? Probably haven't. Oh my god! So I made I made I made sable for Passover. I mean, I sable for Rosh Hashanah just now. I made some sable. Landis has sable fish. Do you you eat the head because it's Rosh Hashanah? Uh, You're supposed to. I actually thought about making a whole fish this year, but I did not. One of the traditional Rosh Hashanah foods. You got the pomegranate seeds. Got the the, the, we've done the carrots, the fish heads, carrots, the uh, the gourd. Landis has toothpaste that's flavored like sable fish. (laughs) What is a sable fish? Sable is. Is it like a mild white fish? No, mm-hmm. it's a very oily fish. It's it? black bass. Oh, black really? bass. Caught on the Concord River. Black, no, it's black cod. Sorry, it's black cod. Um, and they've just started um, farm raising it, so it's much cheaper. Oh, hey. So What's your most adventurous eating thing? I qua- I, I'm sorry, I, I quail once. That was now, you're, now you're back in the game again with I the quail. quail. I quail. You ate quail. 1987. You ate crow. There we go. I'm done. Right. <laughs> Man, just, just thinking most adventurous the first thing that comes to my mind is um cheeses like i love really stinky cheese um so that's the second thought that comes to my mind is like i'm i shouldn't tell you this after having hosted you at my house but like i'm pretty good with food that's more like yeah it's been around a while and like you know, if it hasn't sat on the counter for a day or two, I don't think it's really reached its full potential. It's a sell-by date, not a make-by date. Um, that doesn't worry me at all. Um, 
Dave, Dave Geller's no, unfazed. No, but you, you no, you'd be you'd be phased by if you had one of Landis's cheese plates. You'd be like, nya. I'm, I'm just like, oh my god. I mean, there's cheese and this oh, cheese. You talk about over overextending your olfactory senses. Yeah. Oh my the god. The problem, Dave, is when you when Dave Geller's go-to phrase is nanya. That has various meanings. It could mean like, ooh, nice, or ooh, no. So oh, I gotta, that, gotta, be a no. You gotta no. read the that'd face no, and make some assumptions. No. There. So I assume that means you're saying no, not like, oh yeah. Bring it on. No, thank you. But okay. I think, so like, keep. Sure. I think keeping kosher keeps the um, Good point. keeps the adventurous, like yeah. not eating sea worm cooked in, you know, <laughs> sure. and whatever. Good and uh, so that that's a come. I could never like go on one of those cooking sure. shows or anything so, like that. So you know, when you talk about the the smoked um, watermelon, like. When you see a piece of liver, like a real piece of liver, yeah. like, you know, fried up in the pan, yeah. and that's you know the way oh, David Landis would make it, it's probably be you know oh, the best man. thing you ever had. But it looks so good, like a piece of meat. Yeah. And then when you cut into it and eat it, it's liver, right? Yeah. And it's and ch- like, I, so I'm just thinking about that, and like I love chopped liver. <laughs> yeah. But really? it's disgusting. Like, do we chop liver, Dan? Like real chopped liver? You know the answer to that question. No, 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 no. Dan. You, uh, I love it. Man, yeah. chopped liver. I love it, but it's gross. But it, to me, that's pretty adventurous. But well, so, but I, I think, uh, I would love to eat tripe, like cow stomach, and like all those awful foods. Like, no, I would love I to would because love, no, no, like <laughs> don't go to stop him. He's on a roll. No, no, because if you're gonna if you're gonna kill a cow or kill an animal, like you should eat all of it, right? And you know, kishkis like tripe. That's our people's food. Like the cheap stuff made good. Yeah, the but now the only feeding white fish from the river. Yeah, that's also our people's food, right? Uh, some, some of the catfish. Yeah, but the uh, no. So I would, I I'd be all over that. This is that's a, interesting. This is a deep deep culinary no, dive. I'd not no, but, but it's tough to get that. Like tongue, a good cooked Let's tongue. Let's talk about our people's food. All right, I mean, it's, oh boy. At the, at the after services, the food they serve at the kiddish, right? It's not always the best food. You get this. You get this gefilte fish, right? <laughs> You got this herring. You got this herring stuff. is a beautiful thing. But chopped liver. So other thing I had a, I mean, to me adventurous is I've never haven't had it. You might have made it for for us, but duck. I've I've when I was younger uh, and having duck, that was like a, an extreme thing. You know, I, I have know. to say that the thing I miss most about keeping kosher is not having really good duck. Or, no, never. <laughs> I never have eaten ham, but really good like duck or quail or pheasant, like in a restaurant, mm. done really well. Like. You want uh, the tapas. You want like the good tapas that are like available. Yeah, they have to be kosher. Yeah, it's a great. This is a great. So that was when. So we had this business. You know, Dave Geller has a, his entrepreneurial Food spirit. Truck. But we're we going to do our our kosher barbecue. Dave and Dave's barbecue. We that we could do that. Right. So the idea was for Passover. We'll take a couple of weeks off work and have kosher barbecue for Passover. So I was speaking to. Uh, by the way, so Becky gets her marketing in. Is Dave and Dave's kosher barbecue, where the only pig we serve is you, which, which is a great line. Uh, That's but, really good. Right, but anyway, sorry, speaking to someone I know who actually, comp- uh, I think was part of the team that won the Kansas City Masterpiece uh, barbecue, which is like, that's the World Series, that's the Super Bowl of barbecue. And it's like, I think yeah. Wayne Goldstein was at that. Oh, that was, oh, that was the real Super Bowl. Yeah. He's like, yeah, barbecue without bacon. I know, Wayne Goldstein. Sorry, yeah. been a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was on, he was at Shul this morning. He, I saw his little, he didn't, didn't have his video. <laughs> video off. 
Tyson in his boxer shorts. <laughs> I got a whole list of things we can say right now. All right, go on with your no, 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 no. in name only, like Dino. He's just there in the audio on, still asleep. He's playing tennis. He's down at Cold Springs Park playing little little five on short shorts on. Anyway, we, we digress. But go back. No, to anyways, you you're just saying like he couldn't imagine doing real barbecue without pork. Like I forget that people like to eat pork. That it's Most good of stuff. The world, it's Most of the world does. Yeah. That's what I was thinking this morning about. I don't eat not kosher animals for mm-hmm. sure, right? I, I love watching people like shuck an oyster, crack mm-hmm. a lobster. I could never actually get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as a kid, sometimes my mom, of all people, was not like, oh, like you don't know what pepperoni is and we get pepperoni pizza. When I found out, I was horrified. I'm like, we got to stop. We got to stop. So Really? Yeah, really. Feel. Even even Big Deb was like, yeah, I'm going to let the wontons go. When I realized it wasn't them, I'm like, we can't do this anymore. Good for you. Yeah. So I put a stop to it. Yeah. You, and then you smashed those idols. That's I right. Those idols. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, good. So speaking of places where people are and aren't, so, uh, so a few people are in the synagogue, right, and they're being streamed. Is that what's happening right now? And you're, they're in limited yeah. numbers, sure. And uh, now, now we're at a place now in some towns, as you know, where schools are open half days open partial days not open at all mm. and um everyone and, and the governor is now shaming and the commissioner is shaming districts who are not going back who should so there's a big fight really? brewing between the commissioner yeah. and belmont for example my Ooh. proud alma he's saying you guys should be back in school because you've been green for a long time yeah yeah Lexington was left off of that list so i think probably that's for various other I think reasons str- why but there reasons are, are uh i guess it's about the the, the buildings which yeah. are you know whatever um, so uh, you know, as, as parents, as parents struggle to make sense of the schedule for their kids, and and superintendents and school committees try to grapple with like what happens next if things continue to go well. You know, I guess everyone's wondering about the risks, right? So doctors, I think I'm wondering on, on the behalf of parents and, and people and concerned. And last time we spoke, there was so much uncertainty still about Corona. There's still a lot of stuff that we don't know. Um, now that we've been inside for a couple of weeks, things seems things to be going well, right? So what's What's the biggest risk for the kids in the schools? Is it the air? Is it the surfaces? Is it their peers who are coming in infected? Like, what's what's the overriding concern that's driving a lot of the anxieties around reopening schools? Yeah, I mean, and David can interrupt me anytime, but you know, I, I think that things are going fine. But as we just talked about, me being in the office today, what we're seeing a lot of are people who are being exposed to people who are positive. So it's 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 the numbers are going to rise and they're rising going to rise slowly and there's going to be this whole circuitous exposure you know um to symptomatic people and quarantining and fevers you're probably david seeing viruses fevers in the office now that a year ago we would just say ah it's just a summer virus and we'd let it go come back come in a few days but now we're testing everybody we test everything every day someone Tenic- walks in te- with a sneeze just te- give a test anyway well, Technically, well, there's a whole, the whole list, but a sneeze itself, a congestion nose, is not an yeah. indication. They, Although uh, a kid was sent now, home in Arlington on Thursday for sneezing twice. So this is <laughs> this is so then the and this is the the algorithm depends on where you are, who makes the decision. I mean the the status quo is a, a congestion alone now. In a, a, I think that was different a week ago for early for early childhood education yeah. for preschools. That's the case. Like clear runny nose, just sniffles or sneeze without a fever is not an exclusion criteria. But every every school, excuse me, every preschool can have its own rule. And every school district can have its own rules. So yeah. even if it's, you know, even if Anthony Fauci and Wendy Heiger-Bernays says, like, 
I don't. They're c- equal footing. <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, you know, says that you can go back to school if you got a couple of sniffles and sneezing, especially in September and October in in Massachusetts, where you also have allergies kicking in. A school can still say you can't come back till you have a letter or a negative test, and uh, so that's driving a lot of traffic in in our office. We have been testing a lot of people under these circumstances to get them back. And we actually, in our practice, which is a pretty moderately, pretty big practice, we've not had a, a positive, a kid come back positive yet. That's great. On these tests. That's different than the college students. Yep. Um, but uh, we have not yet. That's really good. Yeah. That's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, we, had had one kid, going. we had one kid right, who was positive, a uh, college student who was exposed to his roommate who was positive. Well, so co- no, they, exactly. we've had college That's students. That's like it. we had. I mean, if we were testing six months ago, you know, different story, or four months yeah. ago. Um, so, you're, so going to your question, so, yeah. you know, what is the biggest risk? Like, um, I, mean, is it, is, I mean, isn't it just somebody walks in with the infection because the, the surfaces, <laughs> because in March and April, some people are wiping everything down. And everyone said, every, people said, you don't really have to do that, right? And then was like, well, it's the ventilators and the air circulation. And the reality is, like, things going here in Middlesex County, like, we're in a great spot. Yeah, I think, I think my feeling would be it's if, if you're practicing bad hygiene, which is not washing your hands and not wearing a mask, um, the, the risk is just really close exposure, I would say. And this is my quick thing, you know. Um, I mean, the going back, I mean, the whole service thing was, you know, it was eight days. It was, I mean, it was forever. It was a day. I mean, there's all this, all the studies. I think it's really, um, my gut would be a close exposure to someone who has the illness, you know, coughing, sneezing, talking to you. Um, so whether that's air, I mean, there's all this information yeah, on so air circulation. I mean, there's all these. And on a given day, I mean, the, so talking about, I, mean, it, it, I won't go into the specifics, but we got a, a notification Wednesday from kind of our overseeing group that, that we are associated with about doing X in the office. And f- Friday, Wednesday to Friday, it came, they, they reversed their policy in 48 hours. And that's, everything's changing. Everything's yeah. evolving. Yeah, so. I think we're in a place where people are doing studies and so doing in laboratory studies about airflow and survival of a virus on a surface but because covid is new everyone is trying to find the new the new thing but we're not in a place where any of this data can be or these studies are contextualized by experience because so my answer is yeah it's all of that stuff but it's not one of them it's not like if you wipe down um the desks, people are not going to get sick. I, I agree with David completely. The, the risk is just being around other people, yeah. right? And so if people wear masks um, and wash their hands a couple times, you know, with some regularity, that's going to be very helpful. I think one of the the biggest, the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest, you know, what's getting in people's way is that is fear about it. Like people don't know. And it's a very different, it's a very different illness for um, children than it is for for teachers and it's a really tough time to be a teacher it's really interesting the way that in some of the conversation like just at the playground or a cocktail party or whatever like teachers have sort of become the bad guys because they're afraid about their health but they didn't sign up to be brave and be putting their bodies at risk like that they signed up for a lot of hardship as being a teacher but i think it's a really tough time to be a teacher and I also think, I mean, that's a great point. And I think that, you know, being on the board of health in Lexington, it's like, it's like the weight has shifted, as David says, it's not, you know, to the people who are 
you know like we, we can talk about all we want about the numbers right. you know as doctors and as whatever but it's really it's everybody's individual risk assessment that it boils down to um, one thing I, I, I forget we talked about this before but I find it very interesting that all of a sudden everything is a study everything right. is data and that's thank you to social media but we kind of base our experience on probably a couple things right mm-hmm. like one you know good you know randomized you know double double blinded controlled studies you know not just hey you know there are 10 kids that this happened to them and this happened you know and also on our experience like i remember when we were residents and the study came out we were at morning rounds morning report one time at, at mass general hospital and the study just came out the day before about night lights right. if kids slept with night lights then they had poor vision when they got older and I think the phones lit up at our clinics because parents were so worried that they were causing their kids, um, you know, vision disorders from the nightlights. And we were talking, right? you remember actually probably, I don't know if you, I think Dave was involved in this, like, well, what about street lamps going through the windows? And what about, you know, light under the door? Like, how does that affect kids? And six months later, another study came out saying that nightlights did not cause vision problems. So I think everybody, everybody now is an expert on reading studies, quote unquote, you know, on, 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 on online and <laughs> Facebook. And we really just like need more information. And we also just need experience. So I, so I don't know what COVID looks like in my patients, right? I, to say, so when someone comes Great in point. with a cold, like Dave and I, if someone comes in with a sore throat, with a moderate, uh, a pretty good degree of certainty can predict whether this is a virus, maybe which virus compared to strep throat based on the story and maybe and what we see looking in there. Um, and I don't think anyone, there hasn't been enough COVID to be able to say, you know, you don't need a test because X, Y, or Z, or this is not that, um, or it is. But so you have to test everyone. Well, you know, where I sit, a lot of people are, not going to say they're rooting for, but they've, they've been on the record since the, the early discussions about school reopening, about how bad it was going to go, and how everyone's going to get sick, and everyone's going to go red. And so far that hasn't happened, which is no. great. Now, we could be wrong. We could be sitting a week away from a big outbreak in towns yeah. like this where if one kid comes in sick and the parents know and then infects 12 other kids because they're within six feet for 15 minutes. Um, you know, and, we, we, and also I've been saying, like, I think we're going to be fine because you know, I've been around kids since June. No one's gotten sick, and we've seen that kind of evidence. So um, I'm trying to be optimistic, right? I think yeah. we're going to be fine. I think teachers' anxieties are real, but as someone who's been working with kids and groups inside since June, I'm saying to them it's going to be fine. And so far, our little experiment in Bedford has been successful, and that's wonderful. And uh, hopefully, data continues to go in the right direction. But again, this, yeah. this, this um, virus is mutating. Yeah. Are, are the new mutations the same kind of thing as the old ones? It comes to susceptibility and aerosol transmission. And at one point, Dave, you were talking about fomites a lot. Now people are saying it's not about fomites. I mean, it's we're living and learning it. It's also interesting. We don't... Kids get sick at school all the time. Uh-huh. Right. It's that's sort of their job. It's not only the job of school, but one of the jobs of a kid's immune system when they're little is to get sick all the time to build up their immune system and to sort of get that work out there. And I think there's look, COVID, uh, no one should interpret anything that they're hearing right now. I'll speak for me and I'm sure from Dave as well and from Dan as well that like COVID is not something to worry about. It's a really bad disease. Um, And. There are a lot of lot of viruses that are super, super bad in a small number of people that we don't blink twice at because sure. you don't hear the bad stories. But any number of the viruses that our patients and children and kids can get in the course of a regular school uh, week or year, 
a tiny percentage of them can have a really bad outcome as well. We never talk about that, but school is a dangerous place for an immune system, but it's also a place that we need to value, right? And we talked this, actually, we were, I think the last time we sat down together, we were talking about how sad it was that as a country, we didn't think about this moment early on. Like we all knew schools were going to have to open, right? And yeah, and it got me, everyone has their own opinion. Everybody could use facts the way they want to do. And the facts have held up, like, you know, here and there a kid gets really sick and terrible things happen. Here and there a teacher is going to have a bad outcome. You know, overall, like, it's, it's okay for kids, but the risk is not about kids, it's about their right. parents and teachers and caregivers. And their grandchildren. And, grandparents, and, and everyone's right. stuck trying to be prudent and cautious. And I think, you know, trying to play the middle ground here is a pretty safe place to be. Yep. But if, this, if, if it holds up that things are going well, the pressure will build. Let's go back. Well, I Let's think let go I'll, back. And the question yeah. everyone is asking is: so, in the absence of a vaccine, which is not going to be coming, I don't think, before mid-year, what will trigger more kids in more places at less than six feet in, in crowded buildings, if anything? And this is the million-dollar, billion-dollar question in Massachusetts because well, I think it's expensive to do anything other than in-person schooling. It's really expensive to do hybrid. It's uh, expensive to do remote. Yep, yeah. and We're it's taking such that. an incredible really toll on on parents. I mean. Uh, Dan, you have young kids at home, and so that is an incredible toll. To I mean, I'm lucky enough. I get up every day and thank the Lord that my kids are older, right? Because it is incredibly stressful for families. You can't leave a kindergarten or third grader at home when both parents have to go to work. Um, I do think that the experiment has gone well, and the next two weeks or month will be important for at least here in Lexington, right? They're just going back to the. It's just the week after this coming week is when they start spending more time in school with the hybrids. And so we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. But so how many how many cases, how much illness are people going to be able to tolerate before they That's freak? That's the question. That's the question. And every town like, is different, right? Some towns are going red and they're saying, screw it, we're still going to school because it's one family or two families. Yeah. So you don't yep. feel like there's a communal risk, right? Yep. So it's complicated, it's challenging, and there's pressure coming from all, all sides. And the state's saying to districts, like, stop playing, stop being super cautious, right? If you can get back, if you can get away with going back part-time, please do it. Because it's better for kids, and it is better for kids. As much as we love remote and hybrid, you know, I see what happens in my house and, you know, in my, in my work. And it's hard to sit in front of a screen and learn all day, especially when you're five, yeah. six. Well, you and shouldn't be doing... been to school before. It really is, really is not great. So we appreciate that challenge. But this is the year of, of, of you know, of, of difficulty. 2020 is still not done it keeps on giving us these little easter eggs of calamity and uh and sadness and i, would, I know that we're dealing with last time we spoke david landis we reflected a lot about the cultural moment and the upheavals in minneapolis which have not subsided given recent events and of course the judiciary stories which are developing are also really coming to a head and the election's coming so if you take the temperature of our political climate i'm just saying it's 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 no better than the last time we spoke david landis it's david 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 I wrote a really um powerful piece on his on his facebook page about oh, thank um, you the judiciary piece well it was it was thank you and it was it was actually not about it was about, about ruth bader ginsburg and i've spent a lot of the week kind of trying not to think about how sad what a sad state our politics is in and what's going on in the court and you know on one level we have to just say like power is power and they have power and the Republicans have power right now and that's sad um, last time we spoke a lot about the lack of 
what Benjamin Franklin calls self-interest, well understood. Like the Senate, the whole point of the Senate is that they're supposed to be thinking about the good of the country in addition to the good of their states, and that's the deliberative body, but that's not going on right now. But what I was writing about, what I'm going to think a lot about is the way Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her advocacy so palpably transformed the world and and really created the world that we raise our kids in and and I will say for me that I was raised in you know that there were it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's advocacy and then decisions and her work and you hear you read about her love affair with Marty and the the it was revolutionary and you and and groundbreaking at the time but that was sort of a model of many of the relationships that we have now of of co-parenting and sharing responsibilities in the house and mothers and wives who work like that was all new and that's her stuff i mean it grew out of for rosh hashanah on the day one I've always thought it was sort of a maternal holiday. You read about Sarah, you read about Hagar, you read about Hannah, and um, the, I've, that was it was driven home particularly this year because we were mourning Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So that's what I was writing back, and I'm I'm indebted to her and her work. And um, it's also just if it's if you stop and think for a second that she's the first woman to be lying state. Like on one hand, it's great for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but like really, like really, yeah, like, like, really? true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like that, and so that's my temperature right now. I'm that's where my head is right now. Yeah, I mean, the news broke Friday night. I was lying in bed, and I was like, I need, I need to get out of here because I knew it yeah. someone would come up and tell me in two minutes, and he'd be like freaking out. My mm-hmm. wife was like, Oh no! I'm like, I'm getting out of the house. I'm going for a run. I ran real slow, just feeling the weight of the moment. And I'm like, you know, guys, just, I mean, start packing your bags, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a tough place to be for a, a progressive center leftist, right, looking at the world and looking at the country. And luckily, we live in Massachusetts. I will always say that. Um, but there's a lot at stake right now. And everything's very tenuous. I know that you probably feel that, David Land. It's very tenuous. And uh, I'm a little nervous, a little saddened. And I'm hopeful, too. I'm a little bit hopeful, too. Hopeful because you have to be hopeful. Be hopeful because. Well, I'm hopeful because the the polling seems to indicate that things are going to head, you know, in my direction. But um. That's yeah, but that's you not, never know. Yeah, I mean, but it all depends all, on what all news. The inflammatory uh, rhetoric about about elections and, and fraud that isn't there, and then the courts having the last say, which is never how it works. I mean, we live in a fragile democracy, and that's been proven, and it's only getting more fragile by the day. Because what, what democracy? That's, that's a deliberate attempt of. Oh, deliberate. What was what adjective to the democracy? What uh, what democracy? Uh, tenuous, fragile. Oh. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. That's where we are, unfortunately. But again, where would we rather be? You know, um, I would say Toronto or Tel Aviv. Well, you know, can't leave the country right now. And uh, but on the hopeful front, Dave, I've been talking, David, I've been talking a lot with Dave about. But I'm just, I'm really pleased with with um, with with the recent developments in the Middle East. I'm really a, a big fan of the normalization agreements yeah. between Israel and the Emirates and Bahrain, and looking around at Sudan and Morocco and Oman, saying the the 20 year hope of the new Middle East and the moderate Sunnis and Israel coming together. Yep independent of Israeli domestic stuff uh, I find that very encouraging I listened to a great pod this week with the Emirati ambassador to the US and then Dennis Ross and Martin Indyk and Dan Shapiro all talking about how this is a great thing for everybody and I found a little bit of solace in a little bit of hope uh, in that moment because there's not a whole lot of good news happening right now No, that is uh, uh, without a doubt good news and it's a sad commentary on the state of my mind that it's almost hard to embrace good news and also that like so I don't want 
the the two leaders who will claim victory for that yeah. to to get any That's credit hard. for that <laughs> but um but it is good news it is well it's it, it's it's almost it is what I'm it is, to, right? I'm, it, <laughs> I, I'm torn because I'm trying to have spent today in Shabbat not thinking about our government um and I was speaking to a friend this morning who is probably a dual citizen. He's like, just so you know, guys, I have tickets on Alitalia for November 5th. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it just people I was at. It's just mind boggling to me. I was, it was speaking of Kiddush probably eight or 10 months ago with uh, a, a woman who is a generation or if not too older than I. And she's like, you know, I think the military will be on our side. And then we just both had to pause and say, Whoa. holy heavens, like, how are we even having this Why conversation? Yeah, this so right? But, but now, like, in the newspaper today and yesterday is that conversation that's going on in the Pentagon about how are we going to stay out of this? Yep. Right? Martin at dinner the other night said, so just so it should happen. Like, whose job is it? it should, please God, Trump lose? Like, who, and he doesn't leave. Whose job is it to escort him from the, mm. from uh, the building? Yep. And... Just that we're having these are not these are not trivia questions, right? That's so interesting. But so I I don't understand um, what our president's what does he get out of out of planting these seeds of like how does he think he comes out ahead if we go to a civil war? Yeah, well, I like like how how does if there is more violence? I mean, I I too am hopeful about the election, um, and. I think that the real his supporters, his real supporters, are a pretty small portion of not the 30, 30 or forty percent for would be like, but not not enough to. I, I I am again, please God, poo poo poo, everything optimistic about the election results. Um, will it be the type of resounding thrashing that we need it to be? But even if it is, like let's say Joe Biden gets three hundred electoral votes, right? If people are ginned up to say that none of that is correct, right? We got people in Eastern Europe who win elections with by eighty percent. So what? Like, I don't know what he gets out of this. Everyone that says what happens in Belarus can't happen here. At least we got to play out the scenario of what what would happen if it did. I mean, it's totally legit, and and everything is a distraction. Everyone, every every new announcement and every new crisis makes you forget about the last one. So let's not forget in aggregate just the laundry list of terrible, terrible things that we forget about right away because the next terrible thing happens tomorrow. Do you think? But do you, that's, you, that's the strategy. You know, is the goal so we're talking about this and not talking about the pandemic right now? Is that the, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. the strategy? No, no, no. no but so, so he says stuff, right? And, and, and he says stuff, and he says stuff about the pandemic, right, which has no fact, right? He just says stuff. And I don't want to get too political here, but we can. But he says stuff. Right, for the, for the 15 no people basis, that are going to hear this, I think we're no, safe. It could be more. It could be more. It could be no basis in fact. Right? But he says stuff, and he's just like the, the guy in the basketball court who just spews stupidity and says stuff, all right? and But it has no fact. So, but it creates, you know, it create it instills, you know, emotions in people. So he's saying this about the you know about the um you know not 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 seeding the election you know is is he just saying that because that's what he says he says stupid things or is he does he really mean it and you know if he didn't say it we didn't actually hear him say it and i love actually hearing the transcript of what he says because it's amazing that it comes out of his mouth 
is, you know, again, going back to the news, the fake news or the news that we're being fed, I wouldn't believe it, but I do believe it. Um, and it is very worrisome. Yeah, but he's not some guy on a basketball court. He's the president I know, of the United I, exactly, States. Exactly, but I think, but he's, but he's, so he's intelligent enough, I guess, to be where he is, but he's not intelligent enough to be where he is. And I'll stop there for a second, but I find it interesting. Like, I don't know if you're seeing this, Dave, in your practice, but I've had a few patients over the past couple of weeks, families who are, who are leaving the country, who are from other countries, and they're going back to where, they, where they're from because, A, maybe the economy's not good here, B, they don't feel safe here, Three, they don't A, B, C, three, four, five. They don't, they're worried about the election and how that's going to yeah. sway. I mean, this is real stuff. And you, and I'm talking to two two great people here. I mean, Dan, who's who's just dropping Toronto and Tel Aviv, and and Jocelyn, my middle daughter, who's talking about you know going to Europe when she graduates. I mean, this is the real deal. I mean, this is this is real stuff. You know that the people are worried. It's a terrible place to be, right? And I mean, not, not, to, get, to get even more political, I mean, you know the the. The, the Breonna Taylor stuff, just, I mean, it's, what's, what's it going to take in this country to do it right? When do you give up? What do you mean when do you give up? Like when, when you leave, when do you... It's never going to work out. You know, when, when, are, when are people's lives worth something? You know, what, how, how much of this systemic hatred and racism and intolerance and vitriol and people just applaud? How much you put up with, right? What's amazing that he, that he, that even, and I always go back to the morality of it all. Is or, or the um, like if you just you're not a good person, right? And so someone like him, who's supposedly leader of our country, who is um, who is who is just spewing stuff that is just so immorally so immorally wrong or immoral that he has supporters, and that's just scary. That that, that I think that's just very the frightening. The fact that forty two percent of this country will will applaud no matter what the comments about racism and violence and hatred and intolerance and applauding shooting of protesters and applauding the shooting of police and lying about riots in the cities. And people go, I mean, it's 42% is not insignificant. Anybody. And even any, the, and even one person is insignificant. Even in, in Lexington and Bedford, we're talking about 25%, 30% of the people are like, yeah, that's me. And part of that's America, which we appreciate. Part of it is like, it's really frightening that people's views are just so diametrically opposed to mine. I, I can't reconcile it. I mean, do these, you yeah. Know? It's just For every crazy. Charlie Baker, there's there's three that aren't Charlie Baker, you know, who are just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm all in on that. I'm all in no matter what. Yeah, but people you know? don't... I, I don't think people say I'm all in on that, right? So well, Some people really do. Some people do, but I think a lot of I'm people... through Southern New Hampshire today? Believe me, a lot of people really do. <laughs> no, I, I think there are many who are all in, but there are... Um, there... I think people delude themselves about... It's about the taxes or it's about jobs and don't connect the racist implications of those policies. So, oh, I'm not racist. Right. One of the one of the uh, as part of a study group at Temple and reading if you guys have read Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. I think the most powerful thing out of that book is it's a mistake to talk about racism as a personal quality. Like if someone is racist or not, it's about what do you do? What are the actions and policies? Are you either an anti-racist or a racist policy? Like are you, and the, and so it is in this, it is in white supremacy's favor to talk about racism as a personal quality. Oh, they're, they're racist rather than being able to talk about decisions, actions that are made that are either support this establishment of racist establishment or fight it and are anti-racist. And I think that people, um, 
I think we give people a buy by when they say, oh, I, I'm not racist, but we don't attend enough to their policies and implications of their policies. People say that. I mean, sorry, I take it with a huge grain of salt. Yeah. Because if you support uh, a party and an administration yeah. who time after time after time after time demonstrates racist and white supremacist ideology and practice and desire, you're in. You're yeah, in. But, Sorry. But, but they also support Sorry, they know. support a person who who um, insults people with disabilities yeah, and insults sure. women yeah. and insults everybody that isn't that he, that isn't like him, you know. Yeah, which, so I don't I don't yeah, get that. Which is just and I, beyond Dave, me. you and I both know plenty of people and we are friend and again many of my good good friends will proudly cast a pallet for Trump in November. I I, I know them. I guess in the motivation, I just fundamentally do not, do not agree and do yeah. not understand. Yeah. I, don't, I don't find space for that, really, in my contract of what America should be. I can, I can get justices. I can get taxes. Can't we do it better than this? Can't we? Okay. I don't know. It's rough. Landis? It's a rough place to be. Um, I uh, love politics, right? <laughs> this is a rough yeah, place to I, be. I don't. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I want to know what Vegas has on the betting for (laughs) when we are going to find out what Putin has on Trump. (laughs) Like how long is it going to be five years or is is it going to be, as someone talked about, is this going to be a job for reporters or historians, right? To find out because I mean, let's face it. Putin has won. You can be Robert right. Redford. He, and, he, he, and you can be Dustin Hoffman. Brazo. Look, he, he, be, he, he, bet, he bet on Trump in a way, and they, he has broken. Trump has broken American broken institutions. America. Yeah, for sure. He really has. We have no trust in any of the institutions anymore. So the, even the post office, like Miracle on 34th Street, everyone loves the post office, yeah. right? And oh. he's broken it. David. No, so I'm trying to turn us out of this. Yeah, tweet. let's get out of it. Let's right, talk about something else. Okay, this will be this is back to so pastrami. You, so, so, so Brazi's on Twitter. You on Twitter, David? No, I'm not on Twitter. So Brazi, just say you <laughs> you just tweeted out, yo, like, what, what, what's his hashtag? Hashtag whatever of the United States of America. How come you wear Spanx? Or what's up with your hair? You know how how much how much play would that get on Twitter? And do you think what? that do you think that your mail would shut off, or you'd be audited the next day, or you'd be or you'd be the um, CIA would show up at your door? Like 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 how how, how much would happen from that? I, I don't understand the question. Like if you insulted, if you really went at President Trump on Twitter, he, he does what's wear Spanx. I'm just wondering what would happen. It's, it's like it's like it's like engaging in a Facebook argument. In exactly. A group. Like what's going to happen? There's, there's yeah. just no point. Yeah. There's just no point really. Just for fun. It would not be that fun. <laughs> Listen, you hear, you hear the anecdotes of the reporters that are besieged. I mean, even even the stupid stuff, like if you make fun of Beyonce, like the beehive yeah. comes after you because yeah, yeah. they're just defending Beyonce at all costs. And MAGA army on Twitter is, is the same way, right? I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. All right, New let's Year. Fight back, let's fight back in the New Year. I'm ready for the. I'm ready for November. I Celtics. wish it was November already. I wish we'd had six months of school data or six weeks of school data ready to, to arm ourselves. I wish the Celtics had won the NBA Finals in a month. You never know. They're making a nice comeback. I wish the Patriots were doing fine. Great. Let's go. There's reasons to be excited for life. Um, there is. Independent of the, of the depression around, you know, where we are culturally and politically, and um, which is, it's hard to do. And I'm on Twitter all the time, as you know. And I'm like, ooh, I gotta stop reading. Do you guys ever listen to? Uh, you ever listen to? Uh, it's been a minute. It's a it's a podcast with Sam uh, Sanders on NPR, and he ends each uh, each show with people calling in about the best things that happened to him that week. There we go. And I I heard it 
a year or so into the Trump presidency, and it is one of my favorite things right now. Wait, what's the best thing that happened to you this week? Besides this conversation? Exactly. Besides this, absent the, absent the Sunset Podcast. Um, had a good week at work where I think I did a, a job pretty well. Um, wow. A lot of good. This was a good week. I'm trying to think of the best thing. My, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking about this week because leading up to that, I was thinking more globally about sure. the year and the pandemic and yeah. blessings and good things that are going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And just like we were talking about eating before, like a really good meal is wonderful. Like no, no, I, no I love savory that tripe. Stuff. I'm happy. The, <laughs> the uh, no, little kishka. On my. What about you, Geller? What's the best part of your week? You know what's the best part of my week? I'm going to tell you the best part of my week. I, I was driving home one 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 night. And usually every morning on the way to work, I call, I, I, I push my phone, I say, call Dan Brosgall. That's true. You know, whether I say it Brosgall or, or Brosgall, they call you, all right? And I call you every morning, usually, on the way to work. And on the way home from work, I often call you. And, really? I, call, and I said, call Dan Brosgall. I didn't know work. about this. And you didn't pick up, because usually that means you're with your family, you're, you're, yeah. you're running, you're tutoring. Yeah. And then you know what I did? I, I don't said, know what you did. Dan's one of my really great friends. You know how this is one of my really great friends? And I said, call David Landis. And I called David Landis. Dave Landis was busy, didn't pick up, that's okay. <laughs> but I, that but, but no, it's, this is true, you can check my phone. But it made me realize I have two amazing and many, many friends in my life that I could just call and schmooze with. You were both busy, and that was a nice, that was a nice moment. Besides the high holy days, you know, besides yeah, I don't think about, my I family, about that all that great week. stuff. I mean, I could go off, we could go on hours about how, what an amazing time it is with family and friends, and we're just blessed to have friends. And this, this, this is great right now. A highlight. So we're back. Oh, to now you got a highlight, Landis. No, stop. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Dan, I'm gonna get a, a, a nice card now from the, from the, from the, from the card store. I'm not. I don't know how to get to the card store. <laughs> What's that brewery in um, Waltham? Be quiet. What's that? Mighty What's that squirrel? called? Mighty yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. Mighty Squirrel. <laughs> Can't even say it. I said I was talking about going to the Mighty Squirrel <laughs> with Jen last weekend for her birthday, and and David's son Martin's like, "What'd you say? What'd you say? Wait, say it again. Say it again. Say squirrel." So Jossie's new dog, which he just got. Jossie's my daughter's got a new dog. We talked about briefly. I'm trying to run through this before David has to go out. Um, his name is Holly, and in uh, Madison, oh, my nine year old says, "You can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say it. Say it again. I can't say it." You Ho- can't say it. You just say it a little uh-huh. differently. Yeah. A highlight of your week, Professor <laughs> Rosegall? Uh, it was a long week. It was a week that felt like a year. Um, I mean, conceptually, the highlight of my week was probably just being outside a lot. Yeah. You know, a, lot of, a lot of running. We had a nice fire pit last night. I really nice. enjoyed that. Week ended, came home, had a nice dinner on the deck, and then yeah. sat by the fire in the backyard. Friday night uh, dinner is always a highlight in my life. That's, uh, that, that's it, right? What else? I mean... Yeah, it was a bear of a week. I mean, school's been in session for a week and a half. It feels like it's been a month. And, I mean, let's uh, let's reflect. Hard. Let's reflect, and we have three guys, you know, sitting here on a, on a Saturday late afternoon, just talking, you know, <laughs> and hoping someone will listen to this um, drip drab. But it's but this is cool. This is cool. We got, and, and we're we're good friends, you know. It's really nice. I mean, you two are some of my my best friends, and we're together. It's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Well, the highlight was hearing about the watermelon, the smoked and brined watermelon. I've got to figure out how to replicate that in my house. That's unbelievable. Well, I'm going to try one more time, and I'll I'll well, get some to you. Um, what are you having for dinner tonight, Dave Geller? What's your dinner tonight? So we may actually go to King's tonight. Ooh. A bowling, and maybe I'll have an Impossible Burger. 
Yeah, because probably bowling. Yeah. You're going to have just one? No. <laughs> when I go out, yes. <laughs> but not, so we'll commit yeah. to it. Uh, three, do they like sanitize the balls in between each other? I think they do. I think they do. Does it get personal here? You back off there, Mr. Major D. Um, uh, it'll be three or four gallows at King's. Uh, there'll probably be three. We didn't, we didn't invite Hannah yet, um, oh. but at least three. Okay. So you guys, what are you guys doing tonight? You, you, we're going over to some friend's house awesome. to be named later. A rare, a rare event to be invited to other people's house, which That's is great. great. Outside, yeah, awesome. Amazing. Eating through your mask and yep. brazi bras. What's for dinner? Uh, I put beef stew in the crock pot this morning. So beef stew, beef stew, <laughs> nice. I'm also gonna throw a little acorn squash in the side when I get home. Make some of that. Nice. So it's good. The staples. Fall staples, man. We, we eat seasonally. I, yep. So When's last time you made beef stew, Landis? Um, or just like stew in general, not beef, right? No, beef stew. A, a meat stew. Meat stew. That would be a flesh pot. A flesh pot. Uh, that would be simus and for Passover. Really? You, Which we weren't you, invited to because of the pandemic. Why did you drop the word flesh pot? Because that's because when my <laughs> I just just in my I don't know I just think of meat beef stew. I it's was, a flesh pot. All right. Well, here's a trivia question for you for you. Do you know what for, a you, for you Zionists? <laughs> what famous Zionist thinker dropped the term flesh pots of Europe when he was talking about the return of Jews to Zion? Mike Rosenberg. Not Mike Rosenberg. <laughs> um, Olive Olive Gordon. Uh, I think Theodore Herzl. Ooh. Time to leave the flesh pots of Europe and go back to the land of Zion. Let's let's return. Hmm. Let's return. Circa but, 1882, whatever that was. So about six years ago yep. in December of 2019, um, we went to, for vacation, we went to Vienna and Prague, oh. which was great. Yeah, you did. And in December? In December. It's cold. What's that? Prague in December. It's cold. It's fine. It's okay. It was great. But all of their food, so my kid's phrase was like, the old world is new. Like, they eat... Yeah. Uh, like simis and yeah, herring, yeah. and it's all like the stuff that we think of as Jewish food, of sure. soul food. Like that's just the regular stuff Central that they European eat. Fruit, yeah. So if that's the flesh pots that they left, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I'm not saying and there the was good things were good in Europe. You know, <laughs> things, back, yeah, things were things good were for a while. while. <laughs> that, a that'd be a great. You, that'd be if you open. We could open up a f- the the flesh pot oh, food truck, right? We just the go only, in the, the face of COVID. <laughs> you know, you just dump. You just stick your hand in, put a piece of put a piece of bread on your hand, stick it into the flesh pot, grab it, wrap it up, pay as you go. We'll weigh it, and <laughs> I'm gonna go back know. to a previous depressing subject for one second. <laughs> but like, when did when did they decide it was time to leave? Yeah, too late. Yeah, many didn't, yeah, right? Late, but right. when did, when, like, mm. you know, the like, when, like, w- how how hot does the coffee need to be? Like, how hot does the, like, when do you, when do you yeah, decide, when, like, when you're the frog, frog no, decide it's time to go? Exactly. And, like, when, mm. is it when shots start being fired? Is it when our side loses then? Like, Ooh. what? I think, it, I think, I mean, honestly, if, if Biden wins... By every measure, and the court steps in and says, "No, you didn't. It's time to go. Time to go." Because then anything is fair that game. That cannot happen. Well, why I'm can't just saying it? it cannot. When the, when, when, when the leading Republican senators say, "If the Supreme Court says it's done, I'll accept it," and the court is now stacked to decide the other way, in the worst case scenario, that, then oh. it's actually time to go. I yeah, absolutely so agree with that. You know, I, I agree with you, but I even have a little hope. Even these guys on the right of the court are they might are I think are driven by the Constitution. Roberts is institutionalist Robert and sports, is. and I think probably one or two of the others Maybe are. Though. Maybe, but all right. The other ones, you know. Well, that's cheery. <laughs> so this is 
to me, I mean, as much as we say yeah. in Massachusetts, can we, we just can sing? Can we just sing around a rainbow connection just to end the pod? Speaking of frogs, right? Is that where that came from? No, no, no. A brighter day. One of one of Becky Lannis's favorite songs. Really? Yeah, Rainbow Connection. Bring tears to your eyes. Yeah. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? David, Geller, Great final n- thoughts before the before the arrival of Conan the Dre, Yom Kippur, any, vo- any vows you want to annul, any last confessions if, you want to make, if any I have offended, you want to ask If for, I have offended either you, one of you in the past year, which I'm sure I have yeah. not, no, if I have, I please forgive me. Um, I'm looking forward to a, a um, meaningful... Uh, reflective fast. You're gonna build a booth. You're gonna have a little sukkah, a little tabernacle. Yeah, I never took down my booth from last year, so I'm just gonna throw some more um, shach, 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 on top of it. And, go to Wilson um, Farmer, grab some corn stalks. Yeah. There you go. Are right, you looking forward to that? Awesome. What about you, Mr. Dr. Landis. I um, uh, Yom Kippur is one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah. It is a it is a wonderful gift to have a day where you can spend just thinking about your year, and to sort of clean off all the cosmic schmutz and start the next year. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And then for Sukkot also to end this whole story on a happy note will be wonderful. You Brazi? Uh, I'm into David Lannis's answer. You know, the, the cycle of, of alienation, which began at, at Sinai at the Golden Calf, continues through the summer and fall, ends with some Chator when we receive the Torah again and say we're worthy. So I'm, I'm into that process. Um, we're going to hit Yom Kippur. We're going to hit Sukkot, which I love. And at the tail end... Things will be okay. Again. The teaching is renewed. It's a nice number two weeks before the election, and, and hopefully, it's a, a nice fall teacher. where things go the right direction. So, this could be the, the last gasp of us being pessimistic. When you're back next quarter, David Landis, we might be, t- talk, we might be talking about maybe we'll be celebrating next week. We're talking about of, next week, we have so much healthy, more to go. We'll be set healthy we'll markers for data and kids, and we'll school. be building back better results. And we're um, we will build back hopeful. better. We're going to be hopeful, Good. build back better. All right, so this is, this brings to end as the sun continues to set over exit 31B. <laughs> wish everyone a Shavua Tov, a Gemar Tov, a happy week, an easy fast. Um, we'll be talking about uh, lulavs and etrogs next week Ooh. for the Sukkot podcast. This is episode 39. Next one, David, Ooh, that, the lucky 40. What a teaser. Next one, the lucky <laughs> Really? Really? They're lining up. <laughs> what did he say? Mighty squirrel? Rotten tomatoes are like eight etrogs. And um, I will say that both you and Dave Sassano and I were all wrong about the Celtics prediction. Oh, yeah. Because you said Celtics sweep. Or Sasano said Celtics. I didn't sweep. say Celtics sweep. You said Celtics in six. No, I said and Patriots. Um, I said Celtics. Patriots. Uh, said Patriots Twelve eight and eight. eight. That's what he said. And that's what we'll do. So uh, good night, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you the other side. All right, thank you. Thank you very much, David and Dave. What do we know is written by Dan Broskel and Dave Geller, and produced by Julie Manugian at Lex Media in Lexington, Massachusetts. Our theme music is written by Joey Freeman. Joey's work can be found on SoundCloud and Spotify. See you next time.